in any event that's horrific, in any event that's tragic, in any event that destroys and crushes our spirit, our hopes, and our dreams, when we individually and collectively are facing these moments, these events, the most natural question that's raised up in our anguish is why? Why, God, have you let this happen? Why, O oh Lord, is this afflicting us? What is going on here? And we cry out in frustration. We want to know in our minds the reason for this evil, this horror, this disappointment, this crushing power that is upon us. In a lot of ways, we have these moments pretty often. We have expectations and we live our lives fruitfully and, and well, but things come out of nowhere, it seems. And one thing compounds another. And our frustrations grow and grow. Our vulnerabilities expand. And then we do this wonderful little thing in our own heads. Because we can't answer the question of why. We start going like, well, what if? If only this had happened, then this terrible thing would never have happened to us. And we do the great what if game with us. You know how this goes. If only this had happened, we would never be here, and this terrible thing would never have happened. And all the times in our mind, we are trying and twisting and turning to put reason into things. Logic, a sense of meaning. But many times, the horrific events of our lives and in this world have no reason. They are simply born of the evil heart of others. They're simply born by the fragileness of life. They are simply born because life does not work well often. And there is no reason for it. It just doesn't work. And we are the recipients, oftentimes. And we can't accept that. we got to know why. And indeed, a lot of times we do us what I call a spiritual retreat, or a spiritual uh, escape, rather, not retreat. And we say, oh, I guess God has a plan somewhere. I always ask people, what is that plan? I don't know. <laughs> but he's got a plan, so that should be good enough. It's not good enough. If you don't know what the plan is, don't hang this on God. God didn't do this. This evil, this death, this violence, this tragedy was not caused by God. But it was caused by the unbelievable fragileness of our existence as human beings. And we cannot control a lot when we face these moments. Then when we try and reconstruct reality in our own heads, and we start thinking about what would have happened, and we wouldn't have had this, and we sort of live in that world for a while. If only this, then everything would have been fine. And we run there, escaping in a kind of delusional way. 
Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It didn't have to come to this point. You know, on paper it really didn't. Because Jesus was actually pretty effective. He'd have in the parlance of our world political capital. He'd get out there, and like John the Baptist, he drew people to him. He was really nice, the way he healed people. Great inspirational homilies about the kingdom. He was very helpful when it came to expelling evil in the world. He drew people to himself. He was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. There's not a single person. He teaches with authority and not like the bureaucrats, the scribes and the Pharisees. He really was the go-to guy. And everything about Jesus was good, wonderful, and elevated. Jesus is so effective that people recognize his talent. In John chapter 6, remember when he fed the 5,000 people? Men plus others. The first response with people seeing this, they knew he was a prophet. And the first thing they want to do in John's gospel, they want to make him a king. That's the first time John references Jesus as being a king. They want Jesus to be their king. And what do they want? They want a guy who's constantly producing bread for them. Hello, you can do that. You can do anything. And they want him for what they are immediately getting from him. They're not interested in conversion. They're not interested in anything big of the kingdom. Wow, you are really good. We don't want to lose you. We want you to prop us up, Jesus. Be our king. Jesus knew the selfishness in that request, and he runs from them. He flees from the very people he fed. He ran from them. For their hearts were filled with selfishness and the immediate need gratification of their lives. He did not come into this world for that. But then, we all know how this works in office politics. We know how this works in national politics. We know how this works in the world. He started getting really good. And then, you know what happens when you become really good? You start to be a threat to other people. And the small-minded and the mediocre, the placid, and in fact, those who are complacent with the gospel, or rather with the word, they were threatened by Jesus for the clarity and authenticity of his message and his world. The world that he was bringing was a world of complete liberation for all people. And you know how that goes. If I'm used to being the alpha on top of all these people, I don't want that relationship to change. And so the political, the economic, the spiritual, all these things started happening. Ah, yeah, Jesus. But Jesus did not play the game right. You know, had he given them a little bit? Had he gone, yeah, okay. Had he somehow blended in better? You know, be a team player? He wouldn't have been so obnoxious to them. 
had to go. He knew what he was walking into. He knew what was going to happen. Consistent people usually get crushed anyway. But the inconsistent resent them. Have you ever done anything moral and good and basically it's somebody around you says, oh, you're making me feel guilty. But they're putting it on you. That's what the world started feeling with Jesus. You're making us feel guilty. But the dynamic strength of your inclusive love by the graciousness of how you serve. Even Peter felt guilty last night. He was too much to take. Too much to take. You can have a little Jesus a little bit. You can't have a lot of Jesus all the time. Why? Because something has to give. Either I have to change to allow this all of Jesus in my life or I have to somehow minimize who Jesus is. This is how we minimize Jesus. This was the vehicle to minimize Jesus. And the irony of this in John's Gospel is that Jesus came here to do this intentionally, to be lifted up. That the cross for Jesus becomes the throne of a new kingdom, a new reality, God's reality. We thought we were going to minimize him, and it turns out we put him on the cross of glory, of God's kingdom, that all might come and be drawn to this cross of one who would never compromise in love for us. One who would never compromise in the integrity of living one's life. One who would never compromise on who God is for us all. To put him on the cross is to show clearly the consistency and the authentic nature of Jesus' humanity and the gift of the divine grace for us all. You know, Pilate and Jesus going back and forth. Why do people buckle? Because they're always afraid of losing something. Pilate, I see no guilt in this guy. He's, he's wonderful. Well, he might not be so wonderful, but that's okay. Let's minimize it. Oh, no, you're going to lose your job. We're going to tell Caesar. Ooh. Every character in the Passion Play is doing what they're doing because they're afraid of something else that's going to happen to them. They're not free. They're scared. A crowd manipulated, crying out, yeah, give us a robber, a revolutionary, a killer, a murderer. Yeah, bring him back to the neighborhood. Kill Jesus. That's some pretty intense fear. And yet... Jesus is not afraid of losing anything. Why? Because he's already giving it away. Jesus is not killed by a random shooter. He's not killed by accident. 
He's not killed by some crazy person. He, rather, is giving himself to us. Remember I said on Palm Sunday, God says, give me your worst, and I will give you my best. Brothers and sisters, in a world that's going crazy, with record gun sales now, all sorts of things on TV, you see all sorts of things that we are afraid of. And in that fear, sometimes we cannot see the ultimate truth of God's kingdom. Tonight, we gather in gratitude for the unconditional love of God poured out as he is lifted up he calls to us to trust finally his love is real for us.